0: You are listening to Beyond the SIG, a prescription for transformative pharmacy care. This podcast is developed in collaboration with the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy and their Flip the Pharmacy team and paid for through CDC grant funding provided by the Pennsylvania Department of Health to the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association broadcasted exclusively on the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: Thanks for joining us on another episode of Beyond the SIG, your prescription for transformative community pharmacy care. My name is Brooke Kalusich, and I am a third-year student pharmacist at the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy. Today, I am joined by Melissa McGivney, PharmD. Dr. McGivney has been spearheading community pharmacy practice transformation efforts throughout her entire career as a pharmacist. She serves as a founding member of the Pennsylvania Pharmacist Care Network, PPCN, and has led the development of the Academia CPESN Transformation Pharmacy Collaborative, or ACT. She is Associate Dean for Community Partnerships and Professor of Pharmacy and Therapeutics at the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy, where she directs the Pitt Pharmacy Community Leadership and Innovation in Practice, or CLIP Center. She is a frequent speaker at national meetings, and as one of her students, I've had the pleasure of working with Dr. McGivney on a number of projects, and through courses and organizational involvement, and I've certainly learned so much from her, and I know our listeners will, too, after our conversation today. So, Dr. McGivney, it's great to have you. Thank you, Brooke. It's great to be here with you today. So, we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, Why don't we begin by you just telling us a little bit more about your professional background as a pharmacist and maybe how you became involved in community pharmacy practice transformation.
2: Well, it's a fun story actually. I was really inspired in my hometown by the pharmacist that I was able to work with. Everyone in town knows Joe Bechtel and it was a town of, oh gosh, just probably over 4,000 people at the time. And I was had the opportunity to to be treated or cared by him and, and my family did growing up. But it was once I got into pharmacy school, I got to work directly for him. And Joe loves his community. And he always was trying to find a way to make things better for people. Even in the early 1990s, we were doing patient care. We were doing referrals to physicians. We were doing post-discharge counseling and even home visits. And that experience made me start to question, why can't everyone do this? Doesn't every person deserve this level of care? And that ultimately led me to complete a residency program. I've worked with Geisinger, the UPMC Health System, and ultimately back to the University of Pittsburgh. I was trained actually by family medicine physicians and working directly with physicians for over five years. They taught me what they needed from a pharmacist and would often say to me, why can't I work with a pharmacist like you in my practice? These were resident physicians. And my answer was, well, you should be able to, you should be able to work with any pharmacist the way that you work with me. And honestly, that's what led me back to the University of Pittsburgh to really focus on building the infrastructure and being involved, both at a regional state and a national level with building the pieces to really help to support practice transformation. It's been a fun journey and it's still going for sure.
1: Yeah. So this concept certainly isn't new for you, right? You've watched community pharmacy practice, you know, time after time over the years. So could you maybe provide a little bit more historical context of community pharmacy practice transformation and how you've seen practice evolve throughout your career?
2: Efforts of community pharmacy practice transformation go back many, many years, and I've been fortunate that when I came into the profession in the early 1990s was a, a moment where we began as a profession really talking differently and thinking differently about what pharmacists are able to do. I'm able to teach this in our first year class and have been doing that for over 20 years talking about the philosophy of pharmaceutical care but how that philosophy, that rooted philosophy allowed us to build a vision with a true practice. And now we're actually seeing the fruits of that with with the business models evolving and changing around us. But in the 1990s, a lot of, of practice transformation that was happening was when we have this philosophy, we're now counseling patients but it was a blockbuster era of drugs. So there were so many new drugs that were coming to the market that the work in the community was really evolving around how do we get how do we create access for people and get these drugs out to folks. It was also though a period of test and trial and pilots, pilot programs, whether they were in practice transformation in the community, like the Asheville Project or we were seeing the beginnings of pharmacists embedded into physician offices and and really the growth of ambulatory care. Much of that was being funded by academia, by grants, by a little bit of the drug budget profit. But then we started to see um, Medicare Part D start to change thinking about how pharmacists in the community could access patients we had the build of CPT codes that were specific for medication therapy management and the beginnings of a change on the business model, both because of the Affordable Care Act and the change in the reimbursement model for pharmacists, specifically for focused on drug product. And all of that has really come to to a head at the moment that we're in. So there's a lot of drugs out on the market. There's a need to access healthcare for patients. There's a change in the way that the healthcare model is being paid for. There's a decrease in the number of primary care physicians available to to people, particularly in rural areas and certain geographies in the country. And we're starting to see pharmacists being able to provide so much more. I mean, the moment we're in right now with this pandemic has really afforded a light on community pharmacy that we've never had before. Community pharmacies have kept their doors opened or their curbside open when the rest of healthcare had to shut down or go to telemedicine. We're an incredibly important access point, and that was a lot of the thinking that went into the Department of Health and Human Services at the federal level, opening the opportunity for pharmacists nationwide to provide immunizations during this pandemic. We're also seeing the recognition of payers and it's spotted throughout the country, but this door that's opening that the payers are starting to see that if we want patients to achieve their chronic care goals and if 80% of chronic care management is drug therapy, we need to find a way to access and connect with these drug therapy experts that are throughout the entire healthcare system, including in the community pharmacy. And we've seen the build of the CPSN networks or the Community Pharmacy Practice Transformation um, Networks. Those networks nationwide provide this ability to scale for independent pharmacies and and for pharmacies that want to connect in that way. We're seeing changes at the the chain pharmacy level as well, all with the focus of finding a way to support people in the community and safe and effective medication use. So, the transformation has been pretty remarkable. Um, a vision that started over 20 years ago actually is having not only the patient care process to it now, but a practice management system, a way to get paid, and actually a documentation standard um, in the pharmacist's care plan. So, those really core elements that were critical to put the pharmacist, particularly in the community, as an integral part of the rest of the healthcare team. We needed payment models that opened the door. We needed a documentation model that allowed us to connect with the EHR, and we needed to be able to change and transform our workflow so it wasn't entirely focused on product, but rather that ability to get the product to the patient, but put that pharmacist in the position to talk with the the patient. So things have changed a lot, Brooke, over the years, and there's a lot more to go, um, but we're in, a, I think, a really pivotal moment of change um, with this pandemic, and, and pharmacists certainly are stepping up to make positive change happen.
1: Yeah, it's it's certainly been a long time coming, and it's really interesting to learn about how practices change, not only for pharmacies and how for payers, but how everyone's adapting to these new business models and documentation models and the workflows ranging from independence to chains. But now I want to talk about one other component, and that's how the schools of pharmacy are starting to get on board. So let's switch gears and talk about ACT a little bit. You've been an instrumental in the founding of the Academia CPESN Transformation Pharmacy Collaborative, or ACT, and that is an operational learning collaborative between schools of pharmacy and community-based clinically integrated networks. So how did ACT really come to be and what is its role in community pharmacy practice transformation?
2: I think, you know, Brooke, there's always a story behind how we've created things. And and this story really uh, started with some of the work that we were doing here in Pennsylvania. When we built the Pennsylvania Pharmacist Care Network, we engaged all seven schools in the state and our state association, the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association. Collectively, we recognized that we were going to be able to be better together than if we were going at this independently. And by coming together between the state association and the schools, we were able to share our best resources. And those things are everything from expertise to students to geography to connections. But we began first with a training, and then that training then led to getting pharmacists on board, and then that led to an infrastructure that ultimately led us to the network we have today with the payer contract. As we were building this, we began to work with CPESN USA, and we started to get questions from folks across the country saying, Well, How are you doing this with the schools, how are the schools working together, and we had an ask from CPSN USA to try to uncover what how other schools nationwide could be connected in such a way that they also could support regional practice transformation from where they're at. So like any good faculty, I needed to listen first, I needed a bit more data. And so we were very fortunate that both the American Association of Colleges of Pharmacy and NCPA or the National Community Pharmacists Association both allowed us to utilize time at their respective meetings in the summer of 2018 to do listening sessions with faculty and with pharmacist owners who also serve as preceptors. We wanted to hear from all of them what they would want if if we were bringing together colleges and schools of pharmacy from throughout the country. And what became loud and clear was this need for faculty who are doing practice transformation to connect with one another, that the owners who are also preceptors and alumni wanted to make sure that the leadership of the school was aware of these efforts. They wanted to be able to contribute to the curriculum through the business models. And importantly, they wanted to make sure that students could see Community pharmacy is an incredible career opportunity and also bring all their learning out to these sites while they were there. So all of that data brought us to the Community Pharmacy Foundation, who were incredibly supportive and provided a grant for us to kick off this collaborative. We brought a group of folks together in 2019. We had 14 luminaries or 14 pharmacist owners with 14 faculty from 14 different states to develop what this collaborative looks like. You can take a look at our website actforpharmacy.com and you can find out um, our blueprint of how we're all working together, but the main principles are that we wanted to unite folks. Mobilize folks and be able to amplify the efforts of practice transformation. So during the, the very first year of Uniting, we did weekly webinars, we are bi weekly webinars. We were able to do a national day of service for colleges throughout the country and also uh, begin to collect patient cases of really interesting patient encounters that were happening and mapping those to the billing and coding structure that exists um, in the community. To date, we have 89 colleges and schools of pharmacy as a part of the collaborative with over 260 faculty, and we're just about to kick off our very first remote national workshop uh, November 11th through the 13th, which will have a special session for CEO deans, for experiential learning directors, and for faculty and preceptors from throughout the country. Our goal is to bring high energy and examples nationwide so that schools have some inspiration and ideas and networking to share within their curriculum and importantly find avenues that they might be even more fully able to connect and practice transformation efforts in their local and regional communities. So it's been a lot of fun, and um, there's an incredible group of faculty and luminaries who are leading this effort. All of of them are on the the for Pharmacy website, and their vision for this has just really helped to drive the energy and the excitement that we hope will, will really fully engage academia in these practice transformation efforts.
1: Wow, that's great. That's great. So we've, we've got the pharmacies on track now, and now we've got the schools of pharmacy moving in the same direction. Uh, but my next question for you is, at the end of all this, what does community pharmacy practice look like in the future? Like, what's the end goal here?
2: I wish I had a crystal ball um and i don't know that there's an i don't know that there's an end i think it's really about a, a continual evolution to ensure that the pharmacists that that find themselves in the community are are placed to work at the top of their license to provide the care in their communities in the way that it's needed it's really clear that the future of pharmacy practice in the community involves a level of direct patient care That might be in-person, that might be telephonically, that might be uh, via video, but it's clear that people need better connected care with regard to their medications. It's also about access. For years, pharmacy buildings, pharmacies in the community have been places where anyone can walk in regardless of their insurance and get advice and help. And at times like this, particularly in the pandemic, that hasn't been more evident that that's a need that we fulfill in the community. It's also an important access point that we're finding for individuals who may have been lost to care and also individuals that are having a hard time navigating the healthcare system. So the future involves us providing advanced patient care and continuing to do so doing it in a coordinated and connected way, which includes electronic documentation and dialogue electronically, maintaining an access point, a healthy access point for patients, and making sure that the data that we're we're collecting, there's an incredible rich data set in a community pharmacy, even in the dispensing database that's so untapped. We can find trends as to what's going on in a particular community from a public health standpoint. There are trends that are happening from a prescribing standpoint. There are trends that, are, that you can see from a compliance, non-compliance standpoint and a quality standpoint as well. As we get more robust in our documentation, we're gonna need to utilize that data to drive not only decisions, but the type of care that's provided in a particular community. The needs are evident as you begin to look at the data. And lastly, community pharmacies are gonna become a more integral part of the primary care model in the United States. It really just revolves around that our ability to have access, if we can be connected to other healthcare providers electronically, in addition to the personal connections that folks have in the community, will really drive our ability to even further enhance patient care related to medication therapy we're able to provide to people in the community.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. The need certainly isn't going anywhere as the role of the pharmacist continues to evolve over time. And I know this is something you and your team are very passionate about. It's something I'm passionate about too. And it's been a driver in your career for years. So, But for those listening, why are these transformation efforts so important for community pharmacy practice? Why, why should people care about this?
2: It's a really good question because I think a lot of times, particularly in our profession, we think of ourselves or we segment ourselves based on the location in which we practice. The community is a place where we all live, it's where we work, it's where people that we care about are, and it's also how the public sees our profession. So one of the reasons that we all have to pay a bit of attention is it's where we get our care, but it's how the world sees us. As the opportunities continue to unfold and open up in the community, they're gonna reflect on greater opportunities for pharmacists everywhere. Because the people that are responsible to write law, whether it's the legislators or their staffers, they interact with pharmacists in the community when they need it too. When you take a look at folks that um, run our payers and even prescribers, they all interact with pharmacists in the community in some way, shape or form, even if it's only from the perspective of their own family. So it's a very public part of our profession. It's also the place where potential students find out it inspires the next generation of individuals that may come into our profession. And it's also the place that connected care can happen. If you can imagine a space where pharmacists in any area can collaborate with one another, I mean, imagine how remarkable it would be if you're practicing in a community pharmacy and you have a problem that you want to solve for a patient who just got out of the emergency room and you're able to call that pharmacist that's in that ER. Or you're able to connect with the pharmacist in the long-term care facility or the one that had been at the managed care company I know through phone conversations early in my career, knowing when I was in the community, knowing those folks, those pharmacists that can make those decisions within the health plan made a huge difference in my ability to provide immediate and effective care to people. So we're all connected, we're all in this thing together and community pharmacy is a place that's changing so rapidly particularly because of the change in the reimbursement models. I'm certain on a number of these other podcasts there's been a lot of conversation about the change in the reimbursement model and the the decline in the amount of funding that comes back for drug and that's driving from a business standpoint the need to look in a different way um, at the way that pharmacies are able to do their work and Thankfully, as a profession, we've been working towards this for over 20 years. So pharmacists are ready. Our graduates are ready. And it's really a matter of us coming together as a profession and supporting one another in this practice transformation effort um, because it will help everyone. And frankly, most importantly, it's gonna help the people that live in our communities, including folks that are, are part of our families as well.
1: Yeah. Definitely. You know, everyone comes to the pharmacy with different needs and different backgrounds and story and, I, and stories. And I think the way that the pharmacy connects us in the community is really a driver in some of these changes. As you said, it's better for the profession. It's better for pharmacists and it's certainly the best for patients. But my final question for you, Dr. McGivney is what work still needs to be done and who else do we need to engage?
2: The work is truly ongoing, and the practice transformation efforts seem to work first locally, and then they they grow, and I think there's, there's always more to be done. I think continuing to engage students in these efforts with your ideas and your experience and your perspectives is incredibly important. There's still a lot of work to be done on on the path for payment. And what I mean by that, there's an established way through medical billing that practitioners are paid for. And you've certainly heard a lot about provider status, and that certainly would would be helpful. And there's also the need within the payer community to have these pathways built um, for pharmacists more broadly to be able to be provided care or to be able to bill for their services. We need to be able to collect the outcomes that we provide, and we do that locally and regionally, and in some cases nationally, but a further adoption of the e-care plan standard or that language by which we document will further enhance our ability to share the outcomes and the data that is able to show the impact that we've made and can also drive the decisions and how care is provided. We're gonna see expanded electronic documentation and the need for credentialing and privileging of pharmacists within health systems, within health plans um, and within payer communities. I think you're gonna see an increase in the amount of data. It's really incredible if you think about the number of people that are seen in any given pharmacy a day and then you multiply that nationwide and it's just incredible. Here in Pennsylvania with 39 pharmacies, they had 20,000 patient encounters in nine months. And that was only the ones they documented. So if you can imagine as the documentation grows, the amount of data available to be able to demonstrate impact, but also to identify need is, is really tremendous. And I think the, the final thing is just encouraging and supporting one another within our profession. You're gonna you're gonna hear and, and see we're getting support from public health, we're getting support from physician groups and, and from other public areas. Even um, one of the groups that we're working closely with are care managers that see the need and the value to collaborate, and that collaboration is a really important part of being able to provide care and doing it in a way that really meets the need and the focus of the patient. So there's still a lot of work to be done, which means there's still a lot of us that need to be a part of that. So for all of you that uh, may be listening in, I I hope you continue to to join and and be a part of the efforts where you are to make an impact and practice transformation. And I hope we're inspiring you a bit that things really are moving quite rapidly and there's a very bright future in community practice.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. McGivney, it's been such a pleasure to have this conversation with you today and to share with our listeners your inspiring story and the impactful work that you're doing that's truly shaping community pharmacy practice as we know it. So thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you for having me,
1: Brooke. And to our listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Beyond the Sig. Keep tuning in to learn more about the impactful stories shaping community pharmacy practice transformation.
0: Thanks for listening to Beyond the SIG, a prescription for transformative pharmacy care. Be sure to check back with the Pharmacy Podcast Network soon for the next episode. To learn more about transforming the role of the pharmacist, visit papharmacists.com forward slash podcast. That's papharmacists.com forward slash podcast.